you just uh, can't imagine what a privilege it is for me to stand here today. Uh, this is home, <laughs> and I miss it greatly, but I, I moved out in retirement at a time that I felt that God was leading me there, and it's been evident through the years that He has, and what a great pastor you have. Uh, hang on to Him. Uh, he's honorary, but hang on to Him. <laughs> when we were dedicating the Family Life Center, we had one of our six general superintendents, the hierarchy, the, the CEOs, if you will, of the church, to help us dedicate. And we had a quartet made up of, uh, of Steve and Lynette and Sandy and Ed, and, and uh, they came up to sing just before the general superintendent was to speak, a high and holy moment. And Steve reached over and said, hold this while I sing. And it was one of those cigarettes that looked like it was lit. It was a fake cigarette. <laughs> I'm looking at that, and then I look at Dr. Deal, and he looks at me like, what? <laughs> <clears throat> Steve called me just a few weeks after he hired Daniel. He said, do I need to say any more? He said, Pastor, I need to apologize to you. I said, what happened? He said, well, every time Daniel gets up to say anything, I draw up and I know how you used to feel. <laughs> um, if you have your Bibles and uh, want to uh, turn with me, if you have your devices, however, I, I've gotten where I carry my phone as much as I carry my Bible anymore because I have the the you the version on there. Uh, but for the past couple of years, I have been really uh, drawn back to this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I, I've, I've come this morning not to preach to you, but to try to encourage you. I'm convinced we're living in a day and age we need some encouragement. We're living in a society that there's a lot going on and a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment. And our hope is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I want to try to find a couple of lessons here in 2 Corinthians. Beginning at verse 3 in chapter 1, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our Lord our comfort overflows. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffered. And we hope, our hope for you is, is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even 
of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we've set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and uh, it was a pretty harsh letter. He, uh, he addressed some things and, and told them some things that were pretty hard to take uh, and had promised that he was going to somehow get to see them there in Corinth. And so this letter, this second Corinthian letter, was to kind of refresh some of that and, and to let them know uh, what had hindered him. Well, what happened in the meantime is there were his distractors and, and uh, those that were, were enemies of the church that were saying to the Corinthian church, yeah, Paul, he's, he, he can write you pretty strong he, he can put it in a letter, but he's afraid to come face to face and tell you. And so Paul wrote and, and uh, he, he said, listen, here's what was happening. Something was going on with me in Asia that uh, I don't want you to be informed about, but it was pretty severe. Well, when I think about that, I think of a passage over in 1 Corinthians that Paul talked about. He uh, as an apostle, I think the scripture gives us a, a view of what the Christian life really is. That, that all Christians pretty well uh, become uh, little apostles, as it were, as we become disciples of Christ. And so, so Paul, in his first letter, he, he, he tells about apostleship this way. He says, for it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. And he's being a little sarcastic here. We are weak, but you're strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We're in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we persecute, we are persecuted. We endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuge of the world. Now, this is the Paul that wrote there in that second letter. Now, I don't want you to be informed, but when I was over there in Asia, I was hurt deeper than you ever will know. I don't know what it was. We don't have any indication. But whatever he was going through, he said, I was hurt so deep. I thought the only way out of this was to die. Ever been in a situation like that? This is going to kill me. I've made that statement before. 
I, I, I'm about to die. And, and this, is, this is the Paul that was, was beaten. He was uh, shipwrecked. He floated around in the sea for a while. Uh, he, he was carried outside of one city because they thought he was dead. He was imprisoned. I, I mean, everything had happened to him, but he said, I went through this and it was so hard that I thought the only way out was death. I, I just had given up. My heart said, all right, I'm going to die. And, and he's writing the church and he's just burying his soul. And he said, here's the way it was. I was hurt so deep you had no idea. I, I think the church is one of the places where we ought to be able to do that. Where we ought to be able to stand up and say, I'm going through this. I'm hurting. I'm about to die. And no one's going to condemn you for it. No one's going to say bad about you. Rather, they'll gather around you and support you and encourage and pray for you. That's what the church is. I mean, you can't go down to Walmart and stand in line and start telling problems. They probably won't even wait on you. They'll call security. But the church is a place of love and acceptance and, and forbearance. And, and that's what Paul found. He said, even though this church didn't, wasn't, wasn't exactly the way it should be, I still believe in them and I'm going to bear my soul. And I'm going to tell them I'm going through something that is harder than anything I've ever been through. I'm going to die. But he said, it's okay. Because God wanted to teach me something. He said he wanted me to learn to rely on him. Well, now, wait a minute. Paul, you, you, in the first letter, you talked about all of the things that you endured. You didn't rely on him there. And I think what he's saying, and it helps me, I had to learn it again. I, I don't know about you, but I have to learn it about every, every other trial, if not every trial. I could have had a V8, you know. No. <laughs> to rely on God. And I have found through the years that you can trust Him in every situation. Not just the, the material, but and, and, and He has blessed us so. Uh, I couldn't have retired had it not been for this church that cared enough to, to put some funds aside that I, that I could. You know, come to think of it, they did that pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> uh, 1964, I was running from the call to preach. I wanted to coach. And I promised God I'd be the most Christian coach that ever was if you just let me coach. But finally, I, I got hit in the head, literally. I had a concussion, the third one from playing football in college, and the doctor said, no more. And that's when I really began to listen to him. We accepted that call to preach and went up to Quitman to pastor. Did so well at Quitman. It's not there anymore. <laughs> it lasted a little bit longer after I left. But. And we went from there to Mountain Home, Arkansas. And I went for five times the salary I was making at Quitman. At Mountain Home, I got 25 a week. I had been working at Conway Human Development Center. 
And, and Sandra and I prayed about going to Mountain Home. We felt like that was the thing to do. And we didn't know what, how, you know, how we were going to do it. I knew that I would have to take a secular job along with the, the pastoring there. And, and we'd been up there about three weeks and, and I still hadn't found a job. And we were taking a, a missionary offering one uh, Sunday night and I had one dollar bill in my pocket. And I said, well, I'm not going to get much with this. So I just put it in the offering. The next day, I got a call from a place that wanted me to go to work for them. I had put the application in and they said, we, we'd like to hire you. And so I went to a, a propane place. I was filling propane bottles and, and doing some service calls and things like that. And, and as I was filling a bottle, uh, a man came by and began to talk to me and he asked all about everything that I'd done and what I was doing and who I was. And, and I told him about being a pastor. He seemed interested, but then he left. Later that afternoon, I clocked out and the secretary said, Oh, Jim, here, this is for you. And there was an envelope that that man had left. And I thought maybe just a letter of encouragement. I didn't know. I got home and opened it up and it was a bank draft. And I had never seen a bank draft. And it was made out for $100. I showed that to my wife. She said, only God can trade a hundred for one. <laughs> and from that moment to this, God has always taken care of us. We've learned to rely on Him. Not just for the physical things. Not just for the material things. But in those hard places. When our daughter Melissa died, we learned to rely on Him. Bill Gaither wrote a song and part of it said, when you come to the place that I'm all you have, you'll find that I'm all you need. And Paul was saying to the church, you can rely on him. God is teaching me that I don't need anything else when I have God, when I have the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. When I retired, I thought I would golf almost every day. <laughs> Told my wife, I said, you know, I, I was going to golf, but it's expensive. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, well, I'm not going to get to go as much as I thought. She said, oh, <laughs> too bad. <laughs> Now, she was a little more compassionate than that. And just, just days later, I got a call from the manager of a golf course, and he said, would you like to work for me? I said, what? He said, yeah, he said, I need, now get this, at my title right now, I'm the oldest cart boy in Arkansas. <laughs> I, uh, I wash and clean carts when they bring them back in. I do work in the pro shop. But he said, if you come to work for me that one day a week, you can play all the golf you want, take someone with you, and there are 44 other courses that are in this organization that you can do the same. Now, I don't shout a lot. <laughs> but when I got home, I was in a shouting mood. 
And I was telling my wife, and she said, see, God not only gives what you need, but once in a while, he gives you some things you just want. Folks, I've learned you can rely on God. And wherever you are in your journey with him and, and whatever's going on, and you may be at that point that Paul was when he was saying, I, I, I just thought I was going to die. You can turn yourself completely over and into the hands of God. You can trust him. And you know, when we know Christ is our Savior, even if we don't make it here, so what? For this is the Paul that said, for me to die is gain, but to live is Christ. I can trust him, I can, I, I can rely on him. And he has to keep teaching me, but I'm thankful for the lessons that he's taught me. So he said, I thought I was gonna die, but God wanted to teach me to rely on him. And he said, and I know this, I will survive. <laughs> Isn't that what we need to know? I'm gonna make it. Paul said, I, I'll make it. I'm going to survive. You can go down to the bookstore and you can find about any kind of book on how to. And, and it's amazing, those books. There'll be uh, how to raise your children and how to do your finances and how to live a Christian. I mean, everything that, that you want. And, and inside that book, there'll be, you know, that cover and there'll be a little flyer in there. And there will be the author of the book. Either he or she, and they're standing out with their spouse, both good-looking people, you know, standing at a split-rail fence, big house behind, lake off to the side. They've got a daughter that is the reigning Miss Arkansas. <laughs> they have a son that is a lawyer and another that's a doctor. And you think, man, they've got it made. They don't have any problem. Yes, they do. They're just like you and I. And, and a lot of times we kind of, we gloss over some things. But I'll guarantee you, they wake up every day with some of the same problems that you and I have. Jesus said, the world's full of trouble, and it is. And it affects every one of us. But he said, I have overcome the world. And, and I, <laughs> I, I, I believe, it doesn't matter what I believe, I know that through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. We survive. Just a few weeks ago, <laughs> I had a lady come to me, and she said, you live such a charm life. <laughs> I said, oh? She said, oh, yeah. She said, you have such a, a, a wonderful, sweet, pretty wife. I said, yeah, I do. And she said, and, and, and your children are just good and blessed and, and, and you just have so many things going for you and you, you pastored a, a good church and now you're retired and you're playing God. You're just charmed. And I said, well, thank you, you know. I'd have probably helped her a whole lot better if I'd have said, well, you should have heard the argument Sandra and I had last night. <laughs> But you know, you, you never know when you sit down in church who you're sitting next to and who is going through some of the harshest trial that they could ever imagine. Some of you know that today because you're there. And, and I guess what I want to tell you is you'll survive through the power and the presence 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said there's two ways that you'll survive. He said, first of all, there is the Holy Spirit. He has delivered, he is delivering, and he will deliver. I mean, can't cover it any better than that. Past, present, and future. God, the, the, the God of all comfort, he's going to deliver you. He's going to keep delivering you. And then Paul makes a, a, a tremendous statement. He said, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that we, he will continue to deliver us. And he makes this, as you help us by your prayers. Folks, never underestimate the power of prayer. God somehow moves through his people's prayer. James said that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful. It, it, it avails much. Or of a righteous woman. Last August, my mother left this world and went into the presence of Jesus. And you don't get as much prayer as you used to even in those days in the rest of them, when I'd go by, she'd ask about certain ones at the Greenbrier Church. I've been praying for them. And if there was ever a prayer request posted, or if I ever took a prayer request to her, she prayed for it every day. And those were powerful prayers. Many of you are recipients of God's blessing and God's touch because she prayed. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I wish I did. I wish I could tell you, well, here's the theological uh, answers to what prayer is all about. Here's how it works. And, and oh, when we come into his presence, why this, is, this happens. But we are invited into his presence. And imagine the God of all creation. Go out tonight and look at the stars and say, That's, my God put that out there. He just, he just threw them out. And he asked me to come into his presence and pray and have communion and conversation with him. And it's through those prayers that much is done. I don't understand that, but it works. 1996, we finished the uh, Family Life Center. And uh, I spent way too much time on it in the physical labor of it, painting and erecting. And the last phases of it, I was lifting a roll of carpet out of the back of my truck and I ruptured a disc. I was scheduled for surgery and same week I was scheduled for surgery, my dad died. There was this deep cloud of depression that I went through. I mean, I, I couldn't pray it away. I couldn't sing it away. I couldn't praise it away. I, I couldn't run from it. Everywhere I went, it just seemed to be getting deeper and deeper. I'd wake up in the morning, and it'd be there. I'd go to bed at night, and that room was just clouded over with that depression. I'd cry out, God, where are you? Ever been there? 
when it just seemed like when I prayed, it didn't even bounce off the wall. It didn't go that far. One morning, I woke up, and it was gone. <laughs> I even looked for it. <laughs> Where'd it go? I'd almost gotten so used to it. I was expecting to go around the next corner, and there he'd be. <laughs> a few days later, I got a card from a guy named Larry Thornburg in Pittsburgh, Kansas. He said, Pastor, and by the way, there's no greater title in the world. Pastor, uh, somehow, somehow, you came to mind this morning and I was praying for you. And it was the very same day that I woke up and the cloud was gone. Folks, we need to pray for one another. And Paul says, that's the only way I'm going to survive. And that's the only way we'll survive. It's as we pray for one another, as we lift one another into the presence of the King of Kings, and really, I think most folks just want to know, will I make it? And you can tell them, yep, you'll make it by the comfort of the Holy Spirit and by prayers of the people. Never discount when someone says, well, I'll pray for you. And never say that and not do it because it is through those prayers that we survive. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know this. We have a God that wants to lift you into His presence and to help you make it through. If you'd stand with me for a moment this morning, As I mentioned earlier, this passage of Scripture has so, so been on my mind that I, I'm convinced there are a lot of hurting people in the world and in the church. And to me, there is no greater moment than when we can gather around someone that's hurting and lay on our hands and pray so that they can make it through. And I don't know if you need it this morning. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But if you're going through something and you're about like Paul and you say, I think this is going to kill me, the church, I know, would be glad to gather around you and pray. If you're in that situation, if you just need that this morning, the altar's open to you if you'd like to come. There is no condemnation. There's no... no uh, one that's going to think bad, think bad of you or say anything about you. It's just going to be a church of love that will pray for you and help you make it through. Well, you're all in good shape. Man.
like to gather around some here this morning. If you're more comfortable being seated, that's fine. Let's have this closing prayer together. Father, we, uh, we can never get out of your word everything that's there. But I believe this morning your Holy Spirit has spoken. And, and no one else perhaps knows what these people are going through. We can't we can't begin to tell you everything, certainly. You just know our hearts. Sometimes we don't even know exactly what we need, but you do. And I pray this morning as we gather as the church, we're doing just as Paul instructed. It's by our prayers that victory comes. Would you move now into that situation would you pull, come as the comforter, that one that is called alongside to help? Be that, be that comforting presence and power in the life of those that hurt today. There may not even be a, a, a total answer to the situation, but you're the answer. Your presence is what we need more than anything else. We found that in the harshest and most hurting times in our life, just you being there is all we need. And so I pray as, and we pray together as the church today that you would move into the very depths of the hearts of each one of these that's crying out to you today. And in this moment, I pray that the release will come that can only be given by the God of all comfort. Lord, we're going to give you praise even now for the victory. We're going to tell you thank you for what you are doing and what you will do. We're, we're going to praise you because of who you are, and we're going to thank you for the way that you have ordered our steps. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can trust you with our steps. You can give us direction in our choices, and you can lead us in a way that not only will be to our benefit, but to your glory. And once again, I thank you for this church, for these that love you and serve you and pray. And I pray your blessings on each one here today. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Thank you for letting me be here. In our hearts again, increase in our